The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Business Channel. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericabusiness.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. What makes a successful entrepreneur? One who is constantly worried about the success of their business to the point where they don't have any time for themselves? Or one who keeps an eye on business but also makes time for the rest of their life? Welcome to Reclaim Your Freedom with host Shirley Dalton. In this program, you'll learn how to create an amazing, successful business and still have time for a life. Now, here's Shirley Dalton. Good morning, everyone. Well, I should say good afternoon, shouldn't I? I'm in Australia. It's morning time for me. And our guest today, Steve Rogers, founder and creator of Alchemy Advisors, is in California, USA. Hi, Steve. How are you going? I'm excellent. Thank you. Appreciate it. Uh, Thanks, Steve. Thanks so much for being on the show. Today, listeners, you're in for a real treat. We're going to be talking with Steve later, who is going to share his experience with us, where he was the CEO for an organisation leading and managing 4,600 people. Can you imagine that? 40,000 transactions, $25 billion in annual sales, and then starting his own business. So you can understand as a small business owner, Steve's been through that as a startup, and now as a creator and founder of Alchemy Advisors, helping people to transition, transform and evolve. And so, you know, I just love how connected we can be with technology. We have listeners all around the world. So wherever you are and whatever time it is for you, thanks for joining us. You know, my studio is located right underneath the flight path of our local airport, so you may hear a plane or two. And if you do, I just want you to imagine it's you and your jet setting off to your dream location. You know, and speaking of dream locations, my dream was to live by the ocean in a magical place called Rainbow Bay in Australia. And this year we'll move into our brand new apartment opposite the beach. At the moment we're waiting for it to be completed and each day I drive about 10 to 15 minutes to the apartment and watch as the concrete gets poured for each of the floors. And then I sit and look at the ocean for a little bit. And I turn around and I thank the boys because they're mostly boys and say thank you, keep Keep working, keep building that apartment because it lifts my spirits and it soothes my soul. And if you understand the law of attraction, you'll know how important it is that you feel good. Your job is to feel good. Now, you might be thinking that you have some things going on in your life that aren't cause for you to feel good and you might wonder how you can change that. Well, you don't have to. All you have to do is to focus on the things that make you feel good for more than 51% of the time so that you can raise your vibration and your energy high enough to start manifesting the things that you desire. Now, you might be thinking, hang on a minute, this is a business show. I want to learn about business. But this is part of it. And as we talk with Steve later on, you'll find out that in order for you to manifest and create that dream lifestyle, and it is possible, that these are part of the techniques and strategies that you need to adopt. 
So through Steve's journey, you'll learn what it takes to create your own dream lifestyle. We'll also discuss whether systems are more important than people. And Steve will give you some tips on how best to lead and manage the team you want. Because leading and managing people requires a whole different set of skills to those of what we call a technician, being good at what you do. So I just want to give you a little bit of background here. When I first started my business, I focused on helping small business owners to streamline their businesses. And what I found was that when I went back a few months later, the systems we'd put in place had fallen over. And I'd be scratching my head asking myself, why? You know, we've we've worked on the systems, I've found out what this person needs and this other person needs, and we would create the system. So say, for example, you needed a report and I would ask you, well, when do you need the report? And you'd say, well, I need it by Wednesday. And we'd ask, well, how's the best way for you to get that report? And is that a memo? Is that a meeting? Is it an email? And maybe you said, well, it's an email. Okay, so then we'd talk to the person who was responsible for getting the report and emailing it. And what do you need to do to be able to send that report by Wednesday? Great. All right, we've got it all set out. Here's our system. You'll get the information. You'll create the email and you'll send it to this person by Wednesday. And you think, there you go. There's a system. Fantastic. And then I'd go back a couple of months later and they weren't following the system. And I'd scratch my head. Why? Why aren't you doing this? And then I realized, ah, most business owners don't know how to lead and manage staff and hold them accountable. And so then I started to work with them doing executive coaching and helping them to understand their role as a leader and manager. And then eventually we put on more bigger programs for more people for leadership. Now, the reason I'm telling you all of this is because if you're in small business, then sometimes people will say, well, what's more important? Is it the systems or the people? And what I've found in my business is that it's both. You actually can't have one without the other. And we're going to talk with Steve now and ask Steve, Steve, you've experienced both sides. You've worked for a big corporation, a very big corporation as the CEO. You've also started your own successful small real estate business and now you've transitioned to help others who wish to create their ideal lifestyle. What do you think? Are systems more important than people? You know, my, my gut reaction is people are always more important than anything. However, that being said, the reality of business I have found in running both large corporations and my own entrepreneurial company is systems are really the key. You, you don't have anything that's any sustainability for any period of time without systems, and you've got to have processes in place. As much as I love people and the reason I do my business is because of people and inspiring others, unless you have a system that's duplicatable or you can plug people in, unfortunately in your life people come and go. Uh, employees come and go, sometimes friendships come and go, uh, people have health issues, people die, various things happen. So I'm a big believer now more than ever, especially now that I'm a, a smaller entrepreneur, how important it is to have base uh, systems and then build great people into those systems and then you have your secret sauce from there. Oh, I love it. I love it. You, and you're right. I agree with you because I'm a real people person and I'm also a real systems person. And for you to be able to have grown the business that you did to have 4,600 people, you had to have had systems in place. I mean, you couldn't be managing that many people on an individual level, could you? 
Oh, absolutely not. It was definitely a team effort, team effort, and each division under those layers all had systems under systems. So, you know, we had systems at our head, excuse me, at our headquarters at the corporate and executive level. You know, in the regional manager levels, when we had to get and and, and uh, map people out, they had their own systems uh, overseeing territories. And then individual branch managers at locations had their own systems. And then their administrators under them had their own systems. So there was a layer of systems from top to bottom all the way through. And as the company grew, we perfected systems. You know, we always were making systems better. We were modifying. And in this day and age of technology, technology can really streamline systems in very effective ways. Uh, sometimes the learning curve on that is very large to get up to, to speed on the learning curve of the technology. But once you get it in place, many times that really makes your life even easier. So, yes, uh, top to bottom for sure. Yeah, and when people talk about systems, often uh, I know when I first started my business and I, they'd say, well, who do you work for? And I'd say, Dalton Business Systems. And they'd say, oh, you're in IT. And I'd go, well, no, I'm not. And they'd look at me like, what? <laughs> How can you be in systems? But but what we do is to actually look at the business and work out what people need within the business. And then once you understand that, then you can automate it. And so did you find with your um, teams that they created their own within the organization or was it um, something that was imposed on them? Yeah, normally it was something that was imposed and then we took their feedback. We had, uh, you know, regular meetings that we had with staff or management meetings and we would impose systems and then we would ask for their, especially if they were coming into a new role, if they were stepping in in a, in a marketing director role or if they were stepping in as a branch manager, well, the systems were already in place. And once they got in, we clearly took their input. And if they had stuff that they thought would work better, be more streamlined, we definitely took it, and then we tested. We tested in a pilot situation to see if they were accurate. And if they were, sometimes their suggestions led to complete changes within the systems or sometimes creating whole new divisions within the company. I think back when we had a real estate manager in one of our offices in downtown San Diego, and we did not have an escrow company at that time, and she wanted to create systems and processes for getting an escrow system internally. And at the time, the owners didn't really want to mess with that, but um, we, she was persistent. She ended up creating a system that test piloted in one office. That system of having an internal escrow system and an escrow company was birthed, and at one point, uh, as the company grew, the escrow company was probably around 20% of the overall revenue profits of the entire organization at one point. So a lot of times when you have people who really know what they're talking about and you can listen to them and adapt it, it creates other things within your company that will even make you more money and or potentially serve the consumer in a better way. And I really want to pick up on that point there, Steve, because there you are actually incorporating the people side of things because you're saying, well, here are the systems, but then you're listening to people's feedback. And what I've found too is that the people doing the job are often the best people to make those recommendations, but you have to start with something. And and the fact that you listen, and I think this is a really important point for our listeners, if you're a leader or a manager in any way, yes, you need to step up and lead and manage, but you also need to be open to that feedback because people can provide such wonderful feedback. And Steve, um, you didn't start at the top. So how did you manage your own growth to be able to succeed in the top role? And you know, we've got about a minute and a half if you can answer that question. <laughs> 
Yeah, I guess the first thing is I had a vision that I could. I mean, when I was a branch manager of the, the company, they were very small. They only had around 300 agents at the time. Uh, and over a 10-year period when I was with them, uh, you know, we grew up over uh, with a team effort to around, you know, three, 4,000, and then we got to 4,600. But I first believed I was worthy. I first believed I then could have a dream and a vision around it. I wrote down what my plan was. I put a plan of attack in place about what I needed to do to make better contributions to the company. And then I went out to see how I could be of most value to the people around me, whether it was the upper or, you know, my upper management or owners or to my team. And I just really tried to figure out how every single day and every week I could be of value. And the more value I made myself, the more opportunities got presented to myself. And that led to growing up the corporate ladder, as they say. And isn't that the way? Um, I love the fact that you actually had a vision and that you could see where you wanted to go and then you created a plan and a strategy around that and then you implemented that. And you say that vision is a critical keystone in growth of any organisation and I know that you work with people on developing their vision for their businesses and often you can see a bigger vision for people than what they can see for themselves and so when we come back we might talk a little bit more about how important that vision is and I can just remember one time I was working with a, a group of young boys and they were complaining oh we need more pay we, we want more hours but we need more pay anyway I sat them down and I said boys this is how it is you do the work and then you get a reward. You don't get a, a, a reward for the promise of more work. And that's exactly what I heard you say then, Steve. You look to see how you could be more valuable and then the more valuable you became, the more rewards you got where you ended up being the CEO for this enormous company. Yeah, that's absolutely true. And I, did, and I wasn't shy about when I got the results and I got the value to point it out to them in the most professional way. So I didn't just let it always go on deaf ears. I made sure if I knew I was increasing revenues, hiring more people, creating systems, I made sure at my, you know, my review periods when I was meeting with my supervisors that I brought to the table what I had done and that I hoped they had seen it of value. So I also pointed out versus doing the work. Okay, so there's some really important points there. So first of all, if you're a leader and a manager, you need to be listening to people. And then if you are wanting to improve your position, then to create a vision for that, implement the plan and then let people know of the results that you're getting. I love it. We're going to go for a short break. We'll come back and Steve is going to tell you more about his transition from corporate CEO to what he's doing now and helping small business owners to transition, transform and evolve. When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. Shirley Dalton's guide, Five Simple Steps to Business Freedom, is changing the way today's professionals balance their work lives and the rest of their lives. You can enjoy this guide free when you discover businessfreedomfighters.com. You'll find out how to get out of the stranglehold of business and get your life back. The secret is not working longer or harder. It's working smarter and better. You'll join the thousands who find this guide and Shirley Dalton valuable resources for their business. Visit businessfreedomfighters.com today. Where is the best place to put your money? 
Rick Saylor with co-host Eric Hamburg will take the mystery out of investing in order to keep your hard-earned wealth performing and protecting to its maximum potential. Listen for Straight Talk, Clear Decisions, live every Friday at 10 a.m. Eastern Time, 7 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Business Channel. Rick Saylor, smooth financial sailing for the best part of your life. We hear it and read about it every day in the news. America is heading over a fiscal cliff. Home prices are still receding and unemployment growing. How can you preserve and increase your wealth in this kind of economy? Tune in to Turning Hard Times into Good Times with host Jay Taylor. Jay will explain the decline of our monetary system and the economy and will give you winning investment ideas and the tools to protect and increase your wealth. Turning Hard Times into Good Times with Jay Taylor can be heard Tuesdays at 3 p.m. Eastern Time, 12 noon Pacific Time on the Voice America Business Channel. Voice America Business Network, the bottom line in business. You are listening to Reclaim Your Freedom with Shirley Dalton. If you have a question or a comment about the program, please send an email to questions at daltonbusinesssystems.com. Again, that's questions at daltonbusinesssystems.com. Now, back to Reclaim Your Freedom. Thanks for listening, everyone. You know, I got so excited to be introducing you to Steve Rogers today that I haven't actually given Steve a formal introduction now, I first met Steve a couple of years ago when we were at a mastermind event with John Asaraf, and I really connected with Steve. And at the time, I had no idea how successful Steve was. In fact, if I had, I probably would have been a little bit intimidated. But, you know, Steve is one of these genuinely really nice guys. Not only is he smart, successful, clever, but he's actually really nice. So let me just tell you a little bit about Steve's background and then I'm going to ask you Steve you know to share your story with us because you know you've you've had this enormous change in your life and how you dealt with that so first of all business and lifestyle consultant as well as author Steve Rogers sees himself as a leader helping others discover maximize and increase their highest good and purpose in life and business this admirable philosophy reverberates through all his endeavors whether dealing with a first-time entrepreneur or long-established business powerhouse, Steve lives by the same personal code, help individuals and companies unlock their full potential. Along with inspiring others, Steve gives back to both the business and civic communities. He served on several National Association of Realtors committees, as well as the boards of various title, escrow and mortgage companies. On the civic side, Steve contributes year-round to schools, charities, community events and many other worthy causes. Steve is happily married with two grown children and several grandchildren. Along with a robust family life, he enjoys a wide range of interests such as travelling, boating, yoga, kung fu, the arts, films and biking, skydiving and even whitewater rafting. So, Steve, I mean, you've done so much in your life. I've heard your story of the skydiving event where you overcame your fear. Tell us a little bit about your life and then what happened that was the impetus for you to make the change to doing what you're doing now? Yes, I'll try and keep it as brief as I can because I know that's challenging for me, so cut me off when you need to. <laughs> but, 
but basically, I started out in the hotel restaurant business, and I was in that that space up till I was uh, in my late twenties, managing hotels and restaurants and comedy theaters, which was a phenomenal training ground for me about learning about customer service and people and being of service to people. I, I transitioned to that to becoming into the real estate space, became a real estate salesperson in Southern California. Uh, I evolved from sales and realized that my management background from the restaurant industry was very adaptable into the real estate space. So I ended up becoming a real estate manager, and I grew uh, from one company and then to another company where I was recruited and promoted, and that was to the Prudential Company after I'd been at Grubb & Ellis Real Estate for about six years. And um, I basically just took a duck to water in that, in that environment. And uh, through that company, it was back when Prudential was just getting in the real estate space in the United States, and the owners that owned that franchise, particularly in San Diego, were very strong entrepreneurs and still are to this day, and they were very aggressive, very strong, big visionaries, and they gave people a lot of room to grow and run in their company. And I just ended up climbing through the ladder there of being of value, as I said earlier on the, before the break, about finding a way to be of most value, learning from others, having coaches, having mentors, and having people help guide me to where I wanted to be, and I did the hard work. I did the daily hard work. And ultimately, I went from being a branch manager to a regional manager to a general manager to the president. Ultimately, I became the CEO of that company. Um, along the way, um, uh, that company actually got sold to a company called Home Services of America, which is owned by Warren Buffett. So for seven of those years, I was at the company. I worked for a, a Warren Buffett affiliate company. I've met Mr. Warren Buffett a couple different times in social and business settings, and that was clearly a highlight. And um, and then that was as the company became even more and more corporate. We went from being an entrepreneurial company to being honored to be purchased by a Berkshire Hathaway company. But there is a lot of regulation and a lot of control within that company. When I stepped in uh, to the role of the CEO, finally, at my last path, which was my ultimate goal, that's when the real estate market had started really declining and sliding in 2006, in 2005, 2006. And by that time, I'd probably been at the company about 12 years and my first course of order was to consolidate, cut, 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 cut. So of the 105 offices and almost 4,700 salespeople and employees that we had, uh, my team and myself over almost a year and a half to two-year period closed about almost 40 offices of those 100. So we were laying people off, firing people, cutting costs, and the real estate market just kept getting worse and worse and worse. And we went from making money, lots of money as an as a organization, to becoming a, a lost profit company as many real estate companies were closing, banks were closing, mortgage meltdowns were happening. And then a week before Christmas in 2008, uh, I became a casualty uh, of, of that environment. And the, the suits came down uh, from above and said, you know, you've been here almost 15 years and you've, you've made a lot of money and we've had a good run and uh, we still need to cut more and more and more. So we're going to put the guy in under you who makes half the money you make and uh, we're, we're going to keep cutting more in the company. So I found myself uh, out in the world uh, after 15 years of helping grow and build that company and uh, was let go. So I was fired. So wow. I, so that was, that was a, a real wake-up call and it ended up being a really big gift. So that, that started the first chapter of my, uh, my career in the real estate space, and that led to some other, other paths that we can talk about. But that was, that was the impetus to changing and becoming an entrepreneur from corporate America. And isn't it true that sometimes our best gifts <laughs> come in the worst wrapping? <laughs> yes, agreed. I found that more and more. And I've conditioned myself to look for that. When I have issues that have come up in my life where I've almost died, health issues, uh, where my wealth, my wife has had a health, uh, almost a near-death issue in the last two years, financial challenges here and there, when I have the biggest obstacles and that seems so 
uh, ugly and hurly-burly, I realize within there that's going to end up being one of my biggest life gifts, and then I find a way to get excited about it at some point because I know that it's not being delivered to me without a gift inside somewhere. Yes, yes, I love that. And I, I was reading a, a book by Lisa Nichols the other day, and she reminded us that, what was it, um, man's rejection is God's protection. And mm. I thought, oh, <laughs> I, I like love that. that because... That's a good one. I'll have to remember that one. I know, yeah, I've uh, talked to Lisa before and seen her speak, and she's got some wise words. Yes, yeah, and and sometimes, you know, for people in small business, and, and like, it doesn't matter about small business or big business, we get these challenges and we think, oh, gee, I'd rather do without it, and yet, as you say, they end up being the best gift, and sometimes I think we need to learn when to let go. Just recently, we moved, and we were spending months looking for a new office and a new studio, and it just wasn't happening, and I was getting frustrated and almost desperate to just take anything, even though I knew that it wasn't right. And then finally I just said, you know what, let it go. It's just it's not right at the moment. Let it go. Something else will come. And, and I know that in a couple of months that that's the case. And um, so um, you went from there and then you decided to start your own business. So you can really share some good points there about what you found having all of these people being able to do things for you to now suddenly having to do everything yourself. What was that like? Yes. So I went from, you know, the, the week after I got fired, we had a cruise plan. My wife and I were supposed to be going on a cruise between Christmas and New Year's as our annual family vacation. That trip quickly got uh, p- canceled. And the next day, I went into action mode. I didn't have time to sit around and lick my wounds. I didn't have time to sit around and, oh, what, what could have happened and how could this happen after 15 years? Um, I, I knew I had to get into action. And I said, you know, that day, I said, well, they have just birthed an entrepreneur. And, uh, you know, the chapter of that life of my life is over, and now I'm going to go create something new. So I went to immediate action. Um, I'd already had a business plan that I'd created a few years back um, prior to taking the position as a CEO because I had thought about leaving that company at different times at different junctures, but I made the decision to stay at different times for, for good reasons, and I don't regret that I did. Um, but I'd had a business plan to start a real estate company as to how I would want to run it if I could start it from scratch. And, yes, I went out and uh, opened up my own real estate company, uh, I looked at many, many opportunities, but I ended up uh, uh, partnering up with a couple guys that I had met locally. Uh, I ended up moving probably around 100 to 150 salespeople from Prudential who wanted to follow me within the first 90 days. Uh, within the first uh, you know, six months to 12 months, we had four more offices opened. Uh, and by the time, you know, in the combining with my partners, we had eight offices within 18 to 24 months, and we had about four or five hundred real estate agents, and we were uh, quickly moving up the path and put ourselves on the map. So uh, I jumped in with both feet, and because I had created such relationships with others and had created a reputation, um, it was, um, to my surprise, fairly easy to get people to follow and wanted to follow because um, they were looking, uh, the real estate market was very difficult. It was one of the worst real estate markets I had been in, and people were looking for something that was energized and exciting and enthusiastic, and so I did that. So I ran my own real estate company with partners for about five years, and uh, we ended up becoming the fifth largest real estate company in San Diego. Uh, we created an escrow company and a mortgage relationship, uh, and that business was humming along fine, um, and that was a path that I thought was going to be indefinite for me. Um, about a year and a half ago, that path changed where um, two things happened. Uh, the, the real estate market continued to be a little bumpy, but not near as what it had been, and it started recovering. 
But um, my franchise that I had at the time ended up, to my surprise, being bought by Berkshire Hathaway that owned, uh, that I used to work for. And they bought the franchise system that I was a part of that I originally <coughs> had purchased was out of Canada. It had nothing to do with Berkshire Hathaway. But anybody that might be listening or here listening from the United States, Prudential decided they wanted to get out of the real estate business. And Berkshire Hathaway now took over at all the Prudential offices. And at the same time, they ended up buying up the franchise that I had as well called Real Living. So it was a big kind of corporate change. But that changed the dynamic as to the people that I was surrounded with and the upper control that had on my franchise system that started regulating some of my growth. And so I started feeling locked into my dream. I started getting regulated where I was not being regulated before. Um, and then the other thing that happened is my wife had a very unexpected health issue about a year and a half ago. <clears throat> she went in for a very, very minor surgery and was out and everything was fine, but a week later had complications, was back in the hospital, ended up almost dying, was in a coma for about two or three weeks, uh, was in intensive care, and it really made us question our life and uh, what gifts could be of, um, of coming from this. And so we got through that, and, but when all that happened, um, I had also decided I wanted to potentially sell the company. So I'd had four or five offers on the company during this time my wife was ill. And Steve. I made an ex- accelerated decision to uh, rapidly accelerate that. And um, I'm, I'm just going to cut you off there, Steve, because yeah, sure. we need to go to a break. Okay, and sure. I really want the listeners to get this because this is a, a huge story. So, so far we've got vision, planning, implementation, people and relationships. So stay with us because this... This next chapter in Steve's life is just going to blow your mind. We'll be right back. From the boardroom to you, Voice America Business Network. If you're interested in gaining strategies to be more successful both at work and your personal life, check out Turn the Page with host Hemda Mizrahi. It's all about building new habits and perspectives. The show helps you identify the changes you need to make that align with your values and priorities. And then apply these principles to your career, health, social life, and other areas. These are proven techniques that work. Turn the Page airs live Fridays at 9 a.m. Eastern Time, 6 a.m. Pacific Time on Voice America Business. Shirley Dalton's guide, Five Simple Steps to Business Freedom, is changing the way today's professionals balance their work lives and the rest of their lives. You can enjoy this guide free when you discover businessfreedomfighters.com. You'll find out how to get out of the stranglehold of business and get your life back. The secret is not working longer or harder. It's working smarter and better. You'll join the thousands who find this guide and Shirley Dalton valuable resources for their business. Visit businessfreedomfighters.com today. Leadership is a vital skill set in today's competitive global economy. Being a leader is not enough. To succeed, you must optimize your performance and know how to imbue others in your organization with leadership skills. Practical, actionable leadership insights are the focus of Leadership Development News, hosted each Monday at 9 a.m. Pacific, noon Eastern, by Kathy Greenberg and Relly Nadler on the Voice America Business Channel. Doctors Greenberg and Nadler, who coach global leaders on how to be most effective, will share their insights and contacts. The path to leadership excellence begins here. When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network.
You are listening to Reclaim Your Freedom with Shirley Dalton. If you have a question or a comment about the program, please send an email to questions at daltonbusinesssystems.com. Again, that's questions at daltonbusinesssystems.com. Now, back to Reclaim Your Freedom. Hello. Well, I don't know about you, but I'm on the edge of my seat. I mean, Steve has had this whirlwind of a career. He's gone from being the CEO, managing and leading 4,600 people to being fired, to getting into action the very next day and then starting up his own real estate company in a time in America when the real estate industry was going through you know, that really painful period of time then being taken over again and then having another change and getting another one of those ugly gift-wrapped gifts. And so, Steve, um, we ran out of time just at the end, so I'd, I'd like you to just repeat that because what I'm hearing, and I hope our listeners are getting this too, is that there's four words that I've come up here with, and that is vision. You've always had a vision. You've always been able to see where you could go and what you could do. And then you've created a plan. And not many people do that. Sometimes our visionaries have a vision, but they don't actually create a plan. And then you've implemented it. You actually got into action. And along the way, you've also maintained relationships with people. And again, if I think back to when we met, um, I've often wondered how many people in that room that we met you that day have actually stayed in contact and, and that's one of the things that you're really, really good at there is um, that people connection. So, Steve, tell us, what happened? You, your wife had a health scare, and then yes, what, yes, she what did, happened? And it was really kind of quite unexpected. It was a fluke thing. But it really, you know, everything went on hold. I had probably two offers running on the company that time, and it was uh, a seven-figure type transactions we were involved in uh, looking to sell our partner off the company. And it's funny when you have something that seems so important. The day before, every email, every call that I got seemed so important everything seemed like it could have gone on hold. I was ignoring family members for a moment. I was, you know, sometimes canceling appointments to make sure this deal was going to go through. And when my wife ended up in the hospital and she's in intensive care and you're talking to, uh, you know, blood doctors and you're talking to trauma doctors and she's in a coma, everything just seems so insignificant. Like everything just went down to ground zero. And all of that the day before that seemed so important to me seemed to have no significance whatsoever. And so for about a month of my life, um, I was the caregiver. I was in the hospital every day. I slept there sometimes at night. She finally came out of a coma and came back to, to life, and then she's healthy today. But during that time period, it created a really deep soul-searching for me of really testing my faith, testing my spirituality, testing what I believe and what I'm convicted on. And I realized that part of my dream that I had been building had slowly turned into a partial nightmare and that my business had become stagnant, and that the company, because of being taken over uh, the franchisor situation, I'd been blocked. I almost had this feeling like back when I was a, a teenager, and I was in my house, and I ended up moving out of my house when I was 17, because my parent, my dad, who I love to this day, but was a very controlling, strong, disciplinary Navy man. And I realized that was probably the birth of an entrepreneur then. I don't like to be mm-hmm. controlled, and I don't like to be stagnated, and I don't like to be regulated. So when I came back in, I told my partners, and I told everyone around me, I'm going to phase out of this sooner than not, and we're going to create and accelerate this up, and we speeded the process along. I had dismantled part of the company. We phased things out. I did not get anywhere near of the, the, the multi-seven million uh, you know, pricing we were looking at for the company. Um, and, um, but I made a decision that my life and my wife's life could be taken at any day in an instant. And was I really doing what I absolutely still loved? 
And I realized over the last 12 or 18 months of then being an entrepreneur for five years that that particular path of being that segment of a real estate broker owner was no longer as passionate to me as I thought it was, was as, as fulfilling as it had been. So I decided that day that I was going to go out and start a consulting, coaching, uh, education company that would have multiple layers to it of helping various business owners and helping people to transition, transform, and evolve to their highest good through obstacles and challenges. Because I realized, as you've already said, my life has been uh, a spotlight of massive transition, sometimes chosen, sometimes forced. And I realize that's just part of my gift of life. I have the resiliency to be able to sustain through that and to create it into wonderful things. And I wanted to find ways to go out and share that with others. So I have opened a company called Alchemy Advisors, and I'm having the time of my life uh, uh, right now uh, building and growing this new consulting coaching company. And one of the things that I admire about you, Steve, is that you're a real role model. And I can remember you telling me some stories about when you first started your business and you were focusing on the things that you were going to help people with in transitioning and so you decided that you would become a vegan and you were giving up coffee and and I can remember when you were going through that. Share a little bit about that. Yes. Well, when I decided uh, late last year uh, to start this company, I said, you know what, I'm going to make myself my number one client. I'm going to be my first client and I'm going to hire me as a client. And if I was advising a client who was going out to start a new business, or was trying to go out and really monumentally change the space in which they were working, and they wanted to get the most film and happiness, what would I advise them? I'd say, well, focus on your health, focus on your spirituality, focus on your family, focus on your business, and find ways to make balance in all of those things, and find out what's the biggest priority to you. So I said, you know, I'd, uh, I went out and found a health uh, coach, and I said, hey, doc, and he's, he used to be a surgeon, and now he's a holistic doctor, and I said, what's the most, the most connected spiritual physical, mental way that you can think that I can really get down to my optimum weight and really become healthy as possible. And what plan should I do? He said, well, if you're looking for, I'd say that's plant-based eating and becoming a vegan, exercising and mending it. I said, okay, besides that, what what else (laughs) can I do? (laughs) Besides being a vegan, what else can I do? So he gave me this challenge and I said, for 30 days, I will try it. And after 30 days, if I feel as good as you think, as I really think you're going to tell me I'm going to feel as you've been telling me, I will stick with that plan. So uh, but the first few weeks were brutal because I was a Starbucks guy. I mean, I would go to Starbucks four and five times a day, black iced teas, coffees. I was a sugarholic. I realize now how bad I was a sugarholic. Um, and so I no flour, no dairy, no meat. And for the first 30 days, it was brutal. I was just having withdrawals and headaches and nausea. But one day I woke up probably into the third week, and it was like someone had just turned the lights on and the sun came out, and it was like, aha, you know, like the angels were singing. And I felt like miraculously better than I ever felt. And that was almost, almost a year ago. It's been 11 months. And I'm down 56 pounds. And uh, my clarity of thought, my connection to my body and myself and my being is strong as it's ever been. So my energy level to get in a mindset that I was ready to go out and change and take all these other things on in my business uh, were key for me. Um, and it's one of the most things I'm really proud of right now is that I'm more physically fit and healthy at 53 than I was at 33. Uh, and I'm more balanced and happy and fulfilled in my life than I have been in a really long time. And I've always been a happy guy. I've been lucky enough to be always a happy guy. But I'm more balanced and fulfilled, and that to me is a really great thing. And I'm trying to figure out how to incorporate that with others in their life. I'm not trying to teach everyone to become a vegan, but I'm trying to help everyone that wants to have a balanced, well-rounded, fulfilled life and not get it too out of whack by only focusing on work and only focusing on money. 
And that's part of the reason for our program, Reclaim Your Freedom, because I think for a lot of people there's this um, either or. I either have the successful business or I have a life and people think that they're mutually exclusive. And what you're saying is that, no, they're not. You, you can actually choose and you did choose. And so what advice would you give to people now who are really struggling? You, you mentioned the health, spirituality, family and business what advice would you give them? You know, I think the, the, the advice I would give is that find out really, really why you're doing what you're doing. What I found with like a lot of entrepreneurs is they have this initial dream. It's like I had my initial dream of opening my real estate company. First year, second year, third year, I was so deep in it that I sometimes realize now looking back, I was so on the, the, the treadmill of making it happen and growing and making money or being independent that I started losing a little bit of track of who I was and what I ultimately wanted to do once I, quote, achieved that success. So I think the big thing I would ask people is why are you doing what you're doing? What really is the ultimate result? And are you achieving any of that right now? Are you, are you having any of that fulfillment right now? And if you're not, even a small taste of it, what can you do to adjust your life or your lifestyle or what you're focused on in your business that probably, in my guess, is spending more time on yourself, honoring your body, honoring your commitment to your higher power, honoring your family? My guess is all the hard work you're doing so that you can do it and then be something, be happy, be fulfilled, be more wealthy. That's all something that's a byproduct. But I, my advice to people is let's see if we can find a way to design a life that you can be happy now. You can be fulfilled now. And that usually is taking time for yourself. It is probably restructuring your day so that your first priority is yourself, whether it's fitness, whether it's meditation, whether it's prayer, whether it's community work. I find that most entrepreneurs are not carving out enough time for themselves to honor who they are, and they start building up resentments in themselves, and they don't even know that's what it is because they realize their business is controlling them, <clears throat> and it starts squelching part of their happiness. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and, and it's ironic, isn't it? Because that's what people go into business for. We become these entrepreneurs. We think that we're going to have all the time in the world and we're going to have this wonderful lifestyle and then we end up being a slave to the business. And we've developed a little um, time, money, freedom matrix and I ask people on a scale of naught to 10, naught being little, 10 being a lot, how much free time or time for yourself, time for things that you want to do, do you have? And then on a scale of 0 to 10, 10 being the highest, how profitable is your company or how much cash flow and money do you have? And I get them to score that. And then we actually plot this on a matrix and on the bottom left-hand corner where it, you, you've got no money and no time, you're extremely stressed. And on the right-hand corner, if you've got money but no time, then you're perceived as a workaholic. All you do is work, 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 work. And then on the top left-hand corner, you've got time but no money. Well, you're probably in startup or, or um, freelance. And where we all want to get is where we've got time and money, and that's the freedom quadrant. And there's lots of ways that people can actually get there. And when we come back from our break, what I'd like to do, Steve, then is to talk about your book that you've written called Lead to Gold and then some of the techniques and strategies that people can do to actually incorporate that because it's one thing to know what we have to do, but sometimes we need to know how. And you talk about taking time for yourself. I know when I focus on myself and there's a difference between self-care and self-indulgence 
And if we want to be continuing to be productive and to make a difference to people, then we actually do need to look after our health. And if I do my work of a morning, it can actually take me about three hours by the time I do my meditation, my visualization, my journaling, my yoga, some exercise. Um, there's three hours. But the productivity that I get if I stick to that discipline is immense. The challenge is not letting other things get in our way. And so I'm really excited to be able to hear more about the book and why you wrote the book and, and why you called it Led to Gold. Right. And so um, <clears throat> also what we want to know is what are the top three things that our listeners can do, the takeaway action items that they can do immediately uh, today because I mean we've talked a lot today about having the vision having the plan the implementation the people and the relationships and then looking after ourselves for our health our spirituality family and business and I mean that's why we go into business in the first place and often that's why we have a job is because that funds the rest of our life and it is just so important and, you know, I'm, we're just so blessed to have you here today as this role model who you've been down these number of paths and you've survived. You know, you've dealt with a couple of ugly gifts and they've actually turned out to be really, really inspirational. So join us in just a, a couple of minutes as we find out more about Lead to Gold, talking with Steve Rogers. business community's first choice in internet talk radio voice america business network shirley dalton's guide five simple steps to business freedom is changing the way today's professionals balance their work lives and the rest of their lives you can enjoy this guide free when you discover businessfreedomfighters.com you'll find out how to get out of the stranglehold of business and get your life back the secret is not working longer or harder. It's working smarter and better. You'll join the thousands who find this guide and Shirley Dalton valuable resources for their business. Visit businessfreedomfighters.com today. Effective leadership is what will propel the world, organizations, and businesses through a range of dynamic changes. How do you keep up with these changes, build skills, and lead effectively? Listen for Innovative Leaders Driving Thriving Organizations with Maureen Metcalf. Maureen offers tools and engaging guests who are leaders in their field. With each week, you'll work on and improve your skills to lead with confidence and drive your organization's success. Tune in every Tuesday at 2 p.m. Eastern Time, 11 a.m. Pacific on Voice America Business. Leadership is a vital skill set in today's competitive global economy. Being a leader is not enough. To succeed, you must optimize your performance and know how to imbue others in your organization with leadership skills. Practical, actionable leadership insights are the focus of Leadership Development News, hosted each Monday at 9 a.m. Pacific, noon Eastern, by Kathy Greenberg and Relly Nadler on the Voice America Business Channel. Doctors Greenberg and Nadler, who coach global leaders on how to be most effective, will share their insights and contacts. The path to leadership excellence begins here. When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. 
You are listening to Reclaim Your Freedom with Shirley Dalton. If you have a question or a comment about the program, please send an email to questions at daltonbusinesssystems.com. Again, that's questions at daltonbusinesssystems.com. Now, back to Reclaim Your Freedom. Welcome back. I'm Shirley Dalton, and we've been speaking with Steve Rogers, creator of Alchemy Advisors. And Steve has been sharing his journey. And look, it's not too unlike the majority of people. We have our highs, we have our lows. It's how we deal with those highs and and those lows that really makes a difference in our lives and those of the family and people around us. Now, Steve's gone from being a CEO of a major corporation to um, being forcefully catapulted into becoming an entrepreneur and starting up his own business making that into a very successful business and then having, uh, you know, one of those moments where you think, why am I doing all of this? What's this all about? Having a health scare with his wife and thinking, you know what, I want to do something else and then starting Alchemy Advisors. Steve's given himself a radical change. He's decided to be his own best client, first client and he also decided to write a book and the book is called Lead to Gold. Steve, tell us a little bit about that and why did you call it Lead to Gold? Yeah, thank you for that. Um, well, it partially came from, I, the, the name of my company is called, as you said, Alchemy Advisors. And that partially came from, I was trying to figure out how I could find a niche in the space of a consulting coaching world uh, and what I could do besides just helping people make more profits or just have people have more better connections with their customer. And there's a lot of great coaches and consulting companies out there. And I realized that one of my niches was about transition and transformation, that I have over the years transformed you know, uh, my life. I have transformed from not drinking. Uh, I used to be a big drinker. I don't drink. You know, I used to be 350 pounds at my height of my worst health year 10, 15 years ago. I'm now half of that. I'm 175 pounds, and I'm a vegan, and, uh, you know, I don't smoke, and I, and I work out, and I'm healthy, and I've just transformed my life over the years, and I've transformed businesses, you know, going from, um, from restaurant business to the real estate business, from real estate now to a consulting company. So I realized I have this ability that my higher power is saying, go talk to people about transition and transformation. So I started playing with words and names of companies, and I found the word alchemy because I, I love the book The Alchemist. If anyone's uh, read that book by Paulo mm-hmm. Coelho, if you've read it, you would probably love it. I haven't read anyone that didn't. And if you haven't read it, I highly recommend it, The Alchemist. And so I love the word alchemist, and I love the word alchemy, which is about transition. And part of the stuff of alchemy is turning lead into gold or challenges and opportunities. So I ended up inheriting that as a tagline that my company name is uh, alchemy and then helping turn cha- um, challenges into opportunities and dreams into reality. And so I decided from that lead to gold theme that that would be a great book title. So I ended up calling it Lead to Gold, and it's an entrepreneur's journey through transition and transformation, and it's part of what we're talking about today. But it really was trying to show people that if I'm as transparent and as authentic as I want to be in my life, then you talk about everything. You talk about getting fired. You talk about having challenges in in business. You talk about health issues with drinking, or you talk about because that's how showing transformation is possible. Um, and I'm by no means am I done transitioning and transforming in any shape of my life. I have so many more things to transition and transform in. But I knew I wanted the book to be about that. So the book Led to Gold is on that theme of transition and transformation of wherever you're at in your life, 
from lead, and lead is valuable. Lead is a valuable commodity of ore, and it's used for many things to build buildings and bridges, but gold is perceived to be a little bit more valuable. It's got more, you know, it's what currencies are based on. It's shinier. It's made with jewelry. So I wanted to say it's not that what you have isn't working or good or strong, but do you have areas of your life that you could make it even more valuable? And so that's my challenge with people. How do you make something uh, good better, and how do you make something great the best? And so what I'm hearing there, Steve, is really helping people to give themselves permission to say it's okay to change. Um, You know, sometimes I think we get stuck in this rut and we call it our lives and think, well, that's it, that's what I've done and this is what I have to do forever. And what you're saying is no. (laughs) Rather than wait for circumstances to make the choice for you, you can actually make a choice yourself. And yes, absolutely. Well, I think back in the day and age of my parents' age, and you know, their their mentality of their their you know early days of baby boomer days was you got a job and you stayed at that job for twenty to thirty years, and you stayed on that profession, you stayed within that industry, and then you retired, and then that was kind of your career, your path. In this day and age, I mean, people at the level of if you're staying in corporate America, many times are changing jobs every two or three years. Um, people are changing houses. But in the technology space, if you think of our world of technology and the intelligence of capitalism and technology and the thought of that, I mean, technology models are changing constantly. Apple comes out with a new phone, it seems like, every, you know, 6 to 10, 12 months. And so I think the world of acceptance of the power and the rapidness of change is a really important element in life. And I think that a lot of times people don't change because of fear. They don't change because they don't have the energy or they don't have the path to go out and create something new. And they're being held back from wonderful things out there. And I, my message is sometimes what you have is wonderful and great. And you keep, you know, if it ain't broke, don't break it. But there's a wonderful book called If It Ain't Broke, Break It. There's also mm-hmm. another concept. So how do you reinvent yourself? I find that the reinvention is where you re- reduce yourself. That's where you refuel your tank up. And when you, feel, when you start losing passion for your business or you start feeling in a rut, I, t- I tell people that's usually when there's time for some type of a change. It may not mean radically changing like I did, but it typically means there's some type of transition or transformation that's needed with inside that person or inside that business. So what's one thing that people can do right here, right now? You know, as soon as we finish our interview, what's one thing that they can do? I think the first thing is to say, how can I be brutally honest with myself? How can I really assess if I was stepping back into my life and my business right now and I was being brutally honest with myself as to what's working and what's not, do I have the courage to hear what that answer is of myself? And sometimes we're in such denial about it or we're such in a run it we can't see that. My recommendation is, if you can't, is to have someone else who you trust and respect, whether it's a spouse, a partner, a business member, or someone else, have them sit with you and give you an honest assessment as to how they're viewing the situation and have a conversation about where putting the mirror up to yourself. So I think the one thing you can do is to really do a really clear assessment as to where your life is and, and the metrics that you talk, the matrix you talked about, um, uh, surely about assessing their time and their, their money and their wealth. I have something that's called a life wheel that I do. And the life mm-hmm. wheel is where you score seven areas of your life on a scale from your, person, your personal relationships, your spirituality, et cetera. So I think the first thing is to do, is your life as harmonious and happy as you want? And if the answer is no, in one area, what could you do then to find ways to change that one thing? You don't have to change okay. the universe. You don't have to change everything. But how could you then start taking the action in this kind of community to change that one thing? And that's probably what I would suggest to start with. 
Okay. And Steve, you have, I'm sure that there's a lot of this information in your book, Lead to Gold, and I know that you also have a gift for the listeners today. And whilst it's not ready just yet, it's it's almost there, um, what you're offering today, I believe, is a free copy of your book, Lead to Gold. Yes, and that's the first time I've done this, but I wanted to make sure for your listeners and for you, Shirley, that I did that. The book is being launched on Amazon in about another uh, 12 to 15 days. Uh, the book is, uh, uh, as I said, called Lead to Gold, and the listeners today will be able to click on uh, something that Shirley is going to give you as a link. You'll be able to go in, and about two or three days before the book is launched, you'll get a pre-copy uh, before it hits the market in a digital copy, uh, and you'll be able to enjoy the book complimentary uh, of me as a gift for everyone today. Oh, thank you, Steve. That is so generous. See, I told you, everyone, he was such a nice guy. <laughs> and it's these relationships that we have, you know, that really makes a difference. And so thank you very much, Steve. So today, people, we've we've had a really deep dive into who you are. And, you know, like Steve said, the number one takeaway is be brutally honest with yourself. If there's things that you're not happy with and you're you're wanting to change or maybe you're not even aware of it, Ask somebody around you and really take a good look at yourself and then you can start to make small changes. And as Steve says, transitioning, it's, it's okay to transform. It's okay to change who you are and what you're doing. And if you're anything like Steve, you want to be visionary, planning, implementing and most of all being in those relationships with people. So it is possible. That's what Reclaim Your Freedom is about. You've been listening to Shirley Dalton and Steve Rogers and I look forward to helping you get into that freedom quadrant and we look forward to seeing you next week. Thank you for joining Shirley Dalton and her amazing guest this week on Reclaim Your Freedom. Please tune in again next Tuesday at 1 p.m. U.S. Pacific Time for another edition on the Voice America Business Channel. Until then, relax just a bit and have a great week. Enjoy the upcoming weekend and we'll see you here for the next show. Thanks again for listening to the preceding program brought to you on the Voice America Business Channel. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericabusiness.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the preceding program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. 